Amen. That's right. Chapter 11, not the financial situation, uh, but uh, the chapter. And uh, once again, we're dealing with, was Jesus really raised from the dead? That's the skeptical question. And as you turn there, and as the Jubinvilles, woohoo, find their uh, anointed seat that's always their seat, but no pressure. Have fun trying to sit in it, Bill, but I won't go there. We're moving on. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but <laughs> that's right. Uh, we've been dealing with skepticism, apologetics, give a defense of what? People are skeptical about what we believe and about God's existence. So we saw that everything's got a beginning. Everything's got a design. That implies a beginning and a designer, i.e. God. What about evolution or evolution that spawns evil? That's all it does. Uh, and that was a lie. What about uh, this morals? Where'd that come from? Well, moral lawgiver, i.e. God. Another argument for his existence. Then we talk about, well, what about the Bible? You guys say that Christianese phrase, the word of God. How do I know this book came from God? We dealt with that extensively. Then they start to attack God's character. Well, if God's so loving, why is there evil and suffering? We dealt with that uh, a whole bunch. Then they go after Jesus, okay, and specifically who he is. And we saw, is he really the son of God? It's not just that he was the son of man. It's very important that we hold to the truth that he is the son of God, okay, as well. And then last time we saw, well, wait a second. Did he really rise from the dead? And that's where we were at last time. Chapter 11, uh, how do we know that? We know that the scripture talks about that. Jesus predicted that. Uh, the Bible's replete about that. But how do we really know that he raised himself from the dead? Well, first of all, we saw the importance there last time. The importance of this truth. Again, this is just like with the Son of God. It's not just, well, okay, I guess I'll check it off because Tom's not going to pass me in the new membership class if I get the wrong answer. No. It's not that. It's a lot more important than that. Okay. Uh, if Jesus, we saw last time, didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is futile and useless. Then we lied about God. How many guys would say that's not a good thing? Okay. Praise God, all two of you. Rest of you, we'll keep praying. Uh, then Jesus, uh, obviously, we can't trust what he said because he said he was going to rise from the dead. Uh, and then all the Christians in the past, even us today, we have no hope of no future because apparently that's not true, which means we're still stuck in our sins and we're dead in the grave. Okay. And you can't trust anything in the Bible because it's recorded for us in the Bible. However, if it's true, and it is, okay, here's the good news Jesus' power is unlimited. Uh, everything that he said should be believed and trusted and, by the way, followed, okay, as well. And we can be sure that, yes, our sins are forgiven and that when our time comes, praise God, we're going to get out of the dirt. How many of you guys are glad? Pray, turn to somebody and say, I'm getting out of the dirt. <laughs> You're really not getting it. You're getting out of the dirt. I mean, that's good news, man. Don't want to be stuck in there. Uh, anyway, in other words, we're going to rise from the dead, okay? And that's the good news. But then we say, well, how do we know that's true? Okay, I get the importance of it, but how do we know it's true? Well, we started dealing with some logical issues, okay? We know that something happened, okay? And it's logical to assume, well, maybe there really was a resurrection. And we saw that with the parallel analogy on page four, uh, 93 with the map of Germany. We took a look at Germany, a map recorded about Germany's territory back in 1943. Then we found another map of Germany showing a whole different Germany uh, in 1948, okay? And so there was a five-year gap in between the two maps, and we were able to surmise, well, maybe I don't know, I wasn't there, but logically, I could surmise something happened in that gap. Something historical happened. 
Well, we saw the same thing when it comes to the resurrection. Uh, AD 33, Friday Passover, there was no Christian church. Jesus hung dead on the cross. Peter denied Jesus three times. His followers deserted him. Judas betrayed him and went off and hung himself. The ladies were crying and mourning, and his own family didn't even believe him, i.e. Jesus' family. And not five days, uh, five years later, but 50 days later, all of a sudden, something radical happens. The church is born, and there's over 3,000 members. Peter boldly preaches that uh, Jesus is alive uh his enemies saul the apostle paul uh he converts and and becomes a christian uh jesus brother his family not only now believe in him but his one of his brothers becomes the leader of the church and on and on it goes the apostles become brave so what's the logical conclusion i wasn't there how many guys were there please don't raise your hand (laughs) we can logically assume Something happened in that 50-year gap. I mean, something major, something historically. The resurrection is the only thing. The literal resurrection is the only thing. If it's fake, it wouldn't produce what we're seeing. But something happened, okay? But again, you say, well, what do you say? Okay, I get that. I get the logic. I get the importance. I get the logic. But maybe these people were duped, right? Maybe that's what produced that amazing something event in those 50 days in that gap period, okay? And that's what we're going to deal with. It's going to start to deal with the skepticism today, okay? And the first one we're going to deal with is uh, what's called the swoon theory, okay? The resurrection fact or fiction. What happened to the body of Jesus? Maybe something sneaky's going on, right? You can't deal with that. No, no, you got to have more proof, right? And they come up with all kinds of whacked out theories just to deny the resurrection of Jesus, right? Some believe, at the top of page 95 says, some believe that the resurrection is fiction. Uh, They explain the missing body of Jesus with one of the following theories. We'll take a look at a few of them tonight. Here's number one. Maybe Jesus never really died and he escaped from the tomb. Boy, does that make sense or what? No, it doesn't. But let's examine this. This theory proposes, and I kid you not, there's a lot of people who promote this. Right? This supposes that the Roman guards and the Jewish leaders were mistaken about Jesus being dead. And here's how it's supposed to go. After a sleepless, emotionally exhausting night, Jesus was beaten and scourged, then nailed to a cross. Then after a spear was thrust into his side and he was declared dead, he, he just fainted. Oh. Okay, really? Yeah, well, actually, no, that's not what happened, but that's a good response. Uh, then his body was placed in a rock tomb, and a great stone was rolled across the entrance, and after he came to himself and was revived in the cool of the tomb, uh, he forced back the huge stone and walked unnoticed past the guards out of the tomb. That's it! Wow, that makes so much sense. It's logical, right? That's what explains the radical change in the 50 days. He snuck out of there. Now, it's one thing if you want to believe that. But let's put it to the test, logically. This is ridiculous. And people, I'm talking professors, learned people, right? Have you ever ran across somebody that has so many degrees that they're dangerous? Okay, learned people actually believe this, okay? But let's examine it. Problems with this theory. Number one, Jesus was flogged. Okay, for those of you wondering, flog is not a new dance craze. Flog is bad. Okay, and he says they're uh, beat with whips, Right? And you've got to say that nowadays, because people don't really know the scripture, and the terminology's changed. You know, the scripture says, and people did bad stuff, and they got stoned, and you say that today, and people go, hey, whoa, no, it's not a good thing. It's not what you think it is. Flogging is bad. Flogging is horrific. And this is what I, and you're going to, after being flogged, oh, just take a little nap. Oh, hey, I woke up. Oh, okay, let's sneak out of here. 
I don't think so. You need to understand what flogging was. Here's what it says. When a man was scourged under Roman law, he was bound in a kneeling position so that his naked back was exposed. The lash was a long leather thong studded at intervals with pieces of sharp bone, lead, and rocks, which literally tore a man's back into strips. Because what would happen is each one of those pieces would literally go into the flesh, and then when they pulled it back, it ripped the flesh out. It's not just, you know, they, they always said like the, the just like a, a whip. Oh, it left. No, there was pieces embedded in it, and it shredded your whatever it touched off. Listen to this, okay? And many a man had died under the lash, okay? Still more had lost their reason and emerged, if they did survive, raving mad, okay? Uh, few retained consciousness to the end of that bitter ordeal, but all who survived were broken men. So you're going to go through that and just say, oh, oh. Rough day. It's time to get out of here. Don't think so. It gets even worse. Uh, Eusebius, he's a church historian, got some of his stuff in my office. Uh, Great stuff if you want to know what's going on in the early church. Anyway, third century uh, church historian. He said this concerning the Roman scourge inflicted on those to be executed. Listen to this. The sufferer's veins were laid bare, and the very muscles, sinews, and bowels of the victims were open to exposure. And what would happen is, yeah, you're kneeling like this down here, and they're getting your back, but, you know, they're long things, and they're studded with all this stuff in it. And sometimes it would wrap around and then come up here, and, of course, it's embedding wherever it goes, and then now it's shredding your stomach, and now your intestines are coming out. How many guys would say that if your back is completely shredded, meat is exposed, your veins are exposed, and your bowels are hanging out, you're probably not fainting and getting up and saying, what's for breakfast? This is nuts. This is nuts for people to believe this. It's like, are you serious? But they keep propagating the lie. Number two, that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning, right? Number two, Jesus was struck, is your next uh, blank there, struck on the head by a staff again and again and again and again and again, right? Number three, Jesus was nailed to a cross. Ouch. Can you imagine? You're, you just got, do we even understand ourselves as Christians what our Lord went through? Right? And he says, you know, he's going down uh, to, uh, to Calgary for us. And then Simon of Cyrene carries the cross. I mean, the, 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 the strength at that point, because you, you just got flogged. You just got beat. Your intestines are probably hanging out and you're trying to carry. What? But you ain't done yet. Now you're getting crucified. Let me give you a quick description, a medical description of the cross. As Jesus slowly sags down with more weight on the nails in the wrists, excruciating fiery pain shoots up through his fingers and up through the arms and explode into his brain. The nails in the wrists are, 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 wrist are putting pressure on the median nerves. Therefore, as he pushes himself upward to avoid this stretching torment, he places the full weight on the nail through his feet. Now, in the median nerves, they've done experiments on, we've seen this before, it's such painful if, if you rupture that nerve that if you were just blow on it, the people literally go insane because of the pain. And so he pushes himself upward on this uh, stretching torment. He places his full weight, though, uh, weight on the nail on his feet. But this causes a searing agony as the nail now tears the nerves in the bones in his feet. 
Then his arms get fatigued, cramps sweep through his muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. And with these cramps come the inability to push himself upward uh, to breathe. Air can be drawn into the lung, but now it can't be exhaled. So Jesus fights to raise himself in order to get just one small breath. And so in spasms, he's able to push himself upward to exhale to get more oxygen. But each time it's less and less and less. He experiences hours of horrible pain as the tissue is torn from his lacerated back trying to move up and down the rough timber just so he could breathe. But then another agony arrives. A deep crushing pain in the chest begins as the area around his heart slowly fills with serum and begins to compress his heart. It's almost over now. The loss of fluids has reached a critical level. The heart is struggling to pump blood. As the tortured lungs make a frantic effort to gas small gulps of air, he can feel the chill of death creeping through his tissues. And finally, Jesus can allow his body to die, but not before saying... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm not saying this just because I joke with you guys over here. But then you have those people say, you sat in my pew. It's like, are you kidding me? That's what our Lord went through for you and I. It's amazing. And that, that's just the side issue. The big issue is this, excuse me, after all that, you're going to sit there and say, oh, what a nap. Ooh, good thing this stone tomb I'm on was cold. It revived me. Ooh, time to go. Don't think so. It's ridiculous. Okay, let's continue on. Next page, 96. Number four, the Roman soldiers believed that Jesus was dead. Right? Number one, that, that, that's a given, Right? Number uh, five, one of the Roman soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. We'll see this down here at the bottom. Modern pathologists say that blood and water would not have come out unless the body was, in fact, dead. We know that medically, okay? And and every jot, every tittle, every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Before we even have the medical uh, ability to even understand it like we do today, God recorded specifically blood and water. Why? Because medically, that means you're dead. How many guys would say, if you woke up tomorrow morning... And all of a sudden you go, hey, look, there's blood and water coming out of me. How many of you guys just say you're not going into work that day? You guys are doctors. You're brilliant, right? Okay. <laughs> what? It ain't happening. It ain't going nowhere, right? And that's what Jesus, he's dead. He's dead. We know that medically. Okay, but oh no, he just fainted. It's crazy. Pilate, the Roman governor, number six, was convinced by the Roman centurion that Jesus was dead, so he gave Joseph permission to remove the body from the cross. If Jesus is just faking it, if he just fainted, why is he, why is he, what? Why would he give it up? Which leads to the next one. Roman law did not allow anyone to remove someone's body from a cross until the death of that individual was, what? Obvious and certain. That was Roman law. You had to verify Roman soldiers removed the body from the cross, which means what? As Roman soldiers, you had to verify, and they verified. If you read the scripture, what does the scripture say? They went over there to break the legs of the other two guys because they were still alive. Why did they break the legs? Because if you broke the legs, as we just read with the description with Jesus, okay, and you wonder why he died uh, faster than the other guys, look what he went through. But anyway, so why did they break the legs? Because Jesus is trying to... (gasps) right? You have to use your legs, right? So if they break the legs, you can't do that and you die very quickly. But when they came to Jesus, they said, don't need to break him. He's dead. 
which is fulfilling prophecy because the Bible says no bone will be broken. So anyway, that's a whole other cool thing. So that's obvious. The body was wrapped in linen with gummy spices between the wraps. Now listen to how they embalmed the bodies back in the day, okay? In preparing a body for burial, according to Jewish customs, it was actually washed and straightened and then banded tightly from the armpits to the ankles in strips of linen about a foot wide. Aromatic spices, often of a gummy consistency, so kind of like a glue-based thing, okay, uh, were placed between the wrappings or folds. They served partially as a preservative and partially as a cement, okay, to glue the cloth wrappings in a solid covering. John's Gospel tells us that some 70 pounds, 70 pounds of spices were used, that's like glue stuff, not, not a little, I hope that holds. 70 pounds of spices, creating this glue, cement stuff, uh, were used in this process. Thus, the grave clothes would not easily be removed, right? How many guys, would, how many guys have ever done this? I work in a warehouse. Bobby, have you done this yet? No, you're still employed, but you probably haven't. Uh, you ever get that shrink wrap machine on that guy? You ever run that around the dude? And he's goofy enough to actually let you do it? Who needs cable when you got shrink wrapping? An unfortunate soul. <laughs> it's awesome. And see, he thinks you're going to let him go right away. No, no, no. <laughs> you're going to be there all afternoon, buddies. We laugh our heads off. All right. I was a young Christian at the time. <laughs> no, but you know, you're going around and around and around and around, right? The dude ain't moving, right? I don't care what you do. I'll break up. No, you won't. Jesus' body is completely strapped and cemented. It's not just shrink wrapped. Glued together and 70 pounds worth on top of the land. There's, I mean, you, if you faked it, you ain't going nowhere. And then you're going to sneak out? I don't think so. It's, it's crazy, okay, for people to say this when you look at the facts. On the morning, the first day of the week, the body of Jesus had vanished, but the grave clothes were what? Still there. Something supernatural happened, okay? You're not getting out of there. Uh, the body of Jesus was placed in a rock tomb, and a very heavy stone was rolled across the entrance Okay, we'll see in just a second how big that rock was. I don't think, even, even if you did somehow, we ignored all the rest of the stuff, you're not moving this rock. You are not moving this rock. Certainly not after getting beaten, scourged, and crucified uh, and stuck in this wrap. Okay, but anyway, uh, number 10. Guards were placed outside the tomb, and under Roman law, a guard was to be killed if he fell asleep on duty. This is crazy, right? Because again, if Jesus somehow could survive all this and he really did faint, and he somehow rolled away the rock, which is impossible, uh, if he was just a normal man, as they would say. That's the premise, right? Uh, and then all these guards are sleeping, and you tiptoe. Don't think so. Watch this. Roman law stated that if a soldier did fall asleep, it was punishable by death. You're dead. You're toast. You're done. You're not just fired. You're not just unemployed. You are dead, okay? And this is why the Jewish people had to bribe these guys big time to lie because they knew the law right? Uh, that if you said you fell asleep, you're dead, all right? But even then, how plausible is it that all the soldiers fell asleep all at the same time? Number one, because typically there's about four, at least four, I believe, according to Roman law, right? Have you ever, guy, have you ever guys ever did a camping trip, right? What are the odds that you're all going to fall asleep at the same time Except for the one guy, which is why the other guys aren't sleeping, is this guy. Dude, were you raised by bears and you lived on an airport? What's wrong with you? Right? I mean, what are the odds that all you, you can't? There's always that one guy, 
right? I'm saying, come on, right? And then you're all up three in the clock in the morning going, okay, if we put a pillow over his head, and you can, right? Again, I was a young Christian. It was hard. It was, you know, <laughs> but all four of them, because that's the whole premise. All of it. I could see one of you falling asleep. It was a late night. You were watching Seinfeld way too long. I, I, I get you that. Maybe two of you. But if you're going to be punished to death, unto death for doing this, you're all just, huh? I don't think so. It's crazy, okay? Uh, and then somehow, even if you did fall asleep for a little bit, uh, you, uh, somebody rolled this giant stone away and you didn't hear that? When you're right there? How many of you guys ever tried to tiptoe out of the bedroom and you never make it? The first step on that Lego on the floor, then, oh, right? The whole house is awake. You're learning too much about my personal life tonight, but let's move on. <laughs> this stone is a huge stone. It's about one and a half to two tons, right? Bobby's strapping, but Bobby, I'm sorry. I don't know if you can do two tons. Give it a shot, right? Give it a shot. But it ain't happening, right? How about trying to move two tons after your guts are uh, showing and hanging out in your back? And, oh, you just got crucified, too. And, and blood and water came out, which means you didn't go to work today. You ain't moving this stone, right? It's crazy. There's no way. If you're just a normal person, as they would say about Jesus, okay? All right? And it's crazy. And then somehow you did that without them waking up, and you just snuck out of the joint. It's, it's ludicrous when you look at the facts, folks, for people to maintain this uh, supposed thing. The Jewish leaders, number 11, wanted guards at the tomb because they were afraid that the disciples would try to steal the body. This shows that the Jewish leaders believed Jesus was dead. If you didn't think he was dead, then why, and if you're faking it and he was fainting it, why did you post the people there? For what? Makes no sense. And this guy says this. Clearly, the weight of the historical and medical evidence indicates that Jesus was what? dead before the wound to his side was inflicted accordingly interpretations based on the assumption that jesus did not die on the cross appear to be at odds with modern medical knowledge so in your mindy lofty thinking coming up with this excuse you're actually ignoring known intelligent science and medical knowledge i'm sorry it's crazy but they don't stop there if you listen to sasquatch on the next page Here's the next one. Well, maybe the body was removed by Jesus' enemies. Yeah, that's it. Now, this one's even lamer, if that's a word, uh, than the first one. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about this. People actually believe this, right? You just, you just don't want Jesus to rise from the dead, right? Listen to this. Number one, Jesus' enemies had no reason or motive to remove the body. They had absolutely nothing to gain. Is your blank there. Nothing to gain by removing the body. This makes no sense. It's ludicrous. These guys don't want Christianity to go anywhere. So why would you take the body and help them out? It's counterproductive. It's crazy for you to say that. Then the enemies of Jesus wanted the body to stay in the tomb. That's why they asked Pilate to put Roman guards around the entrance. So why would you do that if you're going to take it out yourselves and then you fake everybody by having the Romans get involved? In the... That's ridiculous. Number three, Pilate took great precaution is your blank there, great precaution to make sure the body stayed in the tomb, okay? And four, the story could not have been kept quiet. Why? Because people spill the beans. Sooner or later, somebody's going to talk, right? Gossip. You know, the Proverbs, I think it says, that gossip is like choice morsels. Mm-hmm. You just give it to me. Mm, tastes so good, right? It's something I just got to hear. You know, I'm only telling you this so you can pray about it. Yeah, no, you just spiritualize gossip, and that's sin. 
I'm sorry. Okay. But we even see this, right? When somebody commits a crime, you know, like the cold case or all the, if you guys ever watch those detective shows, but you hear about those stories, it was cold for 20 years. Nobody could solve this case, but all of a sudden a tip came in because a guy was in a bar one night. Hey, Bob, you won't believe what I did 20 years ago. Remember that thing in the newspaper, that person that, well, I got away with it. (laughs) Happens all the time. Eventually somebody spills the beans. You would think if they did this, somebody, sometime, would spill the beans, but that's not the case. Number five, the enemies of Jesus never claimed. They never claimed they removed the body from the tomb. They claimed instead the disciples stole the body. Why would you do that if you did it? That makes no sense. Number six, the enemies would have admitted stealing the body when the apostles preached about the resurrection. As soon as they said, hey, he's alive. No, he's not. We stole it. Next. And if you wanted to put it into it, wouldn't you say that if you stole the body? You wouldn't mess around, right? The apostles went everywhere telling people that Jesus raised from the dead. The enemies never once denied it. Why? Because they didn't have the body. Which leads to this one. If the enemy stole the body of Jesus, they could have produced the decaying body with dramatic effect, right? You could see him. Oh, okay, okay. We'll let him have their little day, right? We'll let him snooker people up, and we're going to drop the bomb on him. We'll let it go for two weeks, right? And they're out there, oh, yeah, Jesus, he right the sea. Oh, it's been two weeks now. And they, All right, Bob, bring him out of the closet. Okay, there it is. Here's the body. Ha, ha, ha. Nothing. I mean, nothing. You would think they would have done that. This would have humiliated the apostles, proved that they were lying, and silenced once and for all completely their claims about the resurrection. All right? Now, another one. This one apparently from Pat Benatar. Maybe the disciples stole the body, okay? Maybe the disciples did, right? So if it wasn't his enemies, uh, it had to be somebody. This can't be real. Excuse me. Let's examine that one. First of all, the enemies of Jesus gave the Roman soldiers money and told them to say that the disciples uh, stole the body. That's actually recorded for us in the scripture. That was the bribe. That was the lie. They couldn't produce the body, so they lied. Okay, but let's examine that. Right? Number one, soldiers said that Jesus' uh, uh, followers stole the body. That's what they were said to say. That, that was what they're bribed to do. Right? But they said that they were asleep. Hold on a second. Back it up. How would they know that they stole the body if they were sleeping next to that guy? If they were asleep? How would you know anything? An elephant could have come by. The wind. A tumbleweed picked him up. How would you know who stole the body if you're asleep? It makes no sense. It's crazy. Because that's not true. Historians tell us that if, again, a Roman soldier fell asleep while on guard, he would be killed. And there would be usually at least four in the Roman guard unit. Is it possible that all four fell asleep at the same time? Is it possible that a huge stone was rolled away from the entrance of the tomb and it didn't wake anybody up? Again, as we saw before, that's crazy. That's ludicrous. Number three, if the disciples stole the body of Jesus from the tomb, sooner or later, somebody who knew the facts would have talked. Okay, again, there are cats coming out of the bag somewhere. And number two, people do not knowingly die for lies. We talked about this a little bit last time. All the apostles except John were killed because they taught that Jesus rose from the dead. You would think they would have cracked. And again, once again, we've seen this many times before, but once again, remind yourselves that when these guys died, when the apostles died, it was a really bad, horrible, gruesome death. And you would think that at least one of them would have cracked. If it's a lie, uh, James, brother of John, was beheaded. Thomas was run through the body with a lance. 
Simon, the brother of Jude, was crucified in Egypt. Simon, the zealot, was also crucified. Mark was burned and buried after being dragged through the streets. Bartholomew, listen to this, was beaten, skinned alive, crucified, and then beheaded. If this was a lie, I would think at least by stage four. Okay, you got me. All right, all right, all right. I thought it was funny. All right, you don't have to get so personal about it. All the way to the grave. Andrew was crucified. Matthew was killed by a spear. Philip was stoned, then crucified. James was thrown off the temple. Uh, church history records he actually survived. And so then they clubbed him to death. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Luke was hung on an olive tree. Jude was shot to death by arrows. Matthias was first stoned, then beheaded. Barnabas was stoned to death. And the apostle John was put into a cauldron of boiling oil, but survived. And he's the only one of the apostles that uh, had a, quote, natural death. But not after, uh, uh, until he's being tortured. And so if these guys stole the body, i.e. they lied, they made the whole thing up, you don't think one of these guys is going to crack? That's ridiculous, okay? Jesus' followers, number four, were scared of the Romans. Matthew 26, 56 tells us that when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, all the disciples deserted him and fled. So does that, the characteristic of people who are going to be so bold and brazen that they're going to make it past all these guards and somehow move this giant rock without nobody hearing at the threat of death and the risk? They're chicken livers at this point. That is so inconsistent. There's no way. It makes no sense. Okay, and Matthew 27 tells us the Roman soldiers sealed the tomb. We usually don't get that, but that's really important if you understand Roman law. The sealing was always done in the presence of Roman guards who were left in charge to protect this stamp of Roman authority and power. The followers of Jesus would have been punished for breaking this Roman seal. Again, not just messing with the soldiers, not just attempting, but if you mess with the seal, you're really toast, right? Here's uh, what we note about that. Their sole purpose, the Roman guards, and obligation that evening was to rigidly perform their duty as soldiers of the empire to Rome, which they had dedicated their allegiance. The Roman seal offered, uh, affixed to the stone before Joseph's tomb, Joseph of Marathia, uh, was far more sacred to them, the soldiers, than all the philosophy of Israel or the sanctity of her ancient creed. Who cares about these foreigners, Israel, what they want? I have pledged my allegiance to Rome. I'm a soldier of Rome. Who cares what you want, foreigner? Listen to this. Soldiers cold-blooded enough to gamble over a dying victim's cloak are not the kind of men to be hoodwinked by timid Galileans. Hey, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but... You know, if I took you to Wendy's, do you think I could, you know, get in there? What? These guys don't have any courage at all. And these guys, these, sold, these guys, they're such a hardened heart, loyal to Rome. They're gambling for this guy, a dying guy's clothes, and they're going to be hoodwinked by a bunch of chicken livers? It makes no sense. Oh, and by the way, if you do and you let them, you die yourself, soldier. Makes no sense, okay? And jeopardize their Roman necks and by sleeping on their post. Number six, top of page 99. The authorities did not insist that the disciples produce the body. They knew better than anyone the disciples didn't have it. Why didn't it sometime they say, hey, all right, knock it off. We're done with the charade. You're causing a lot of ruckus. Bring the body out now. Just, I mean, just get it out. Never even asked them. Because they didn't have it. Okay. Number seven, the apostles did not believe that Jesus was alive until they saw him. So if they had cooked this whole thing up, 
right? Why are they going acting like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> and they're all chickens. That makes no sense either. Number eight, if the disciples, or anyone else for that matter, decided to sneak past the Roman guards, roll away the large stone, seal the body, why would they take the time to remove the grave clothes? It's mentioned in the scripture. The grave clothes were there, right? You're in a hurry. You're trying to get past these guys that you just bribe with the Wendy's gift certificate. You're trying not to die. You just rolled away this massive stone, <laughs> making all kinds of noise. Did you know it was not on rubber wheels? Right? You're trying to get out of there. I mean, as the theory would say, which is a bunch of baloney, right? And now this guy is wrapped up in 70 pounds of concrete glue stuff. All right, Bob, you take this side. I'll get on. What? That makes no sense. But the grave clothes are there, right? They'd have to do that if somehow they could make that far, which is ludicrous that they made it that far. Number 10, if the disciples stole the body, this means that the writers, okay, oh, no, 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 uh, number nine, uh, Jesus was killed, okay, during the Passover. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people from different countries are coming for this great grand annual festival, Passover, Right? He was killed during Passover. Thousands of people came to Jerusalem for this holiday. It's not likely that the disciples could have carried a dead body in Jerusalem without somebody seeing them. How many guys would say, I don't care where you're at in Vegas. Maybe you're outside when he's trying to get that gift certificate. Maybe you're down the strip. Granted, there's weird things that go down there. But if somebody's running down the street with a dead body, you're probably at least going to go, oh. And it would register in your brain. Thousands. It's a people. And not one person says, hey, we saw these guys. It was the craziest thing I saw. I was just sitting there trying to, you know, get my eyes off of Bobby, still stuck in the shrink wrap. And the next thing you know, here's this one. It's crazy, right? They're going to see it. You can't hide that. Kind of like some people staying at my house. You guys know I've been warned about chicken. I got certain rules <laughs> about what comes in my house and what doesn't come in my house. But if you can believe this, there are certain people, I will not look in that direction, <laughs> who not only went to Popeye's and blasted it all over the Facebook, smiling. <laughs> I come home one night, and there in my fridge is a box of Popeye's, and the lid's even open. Hello? Like, I'm not going to see that? Right? Here's the disciples running down, supposedly with this dead body, and thousands of people. Not one person says, hey, you won't believe what I saw last night. Not a peep. Give me a break. That's crazy. It doesn't make sense, okay? According to the Bible, uh, it, number 10, it's crazy that nobody would see him. Okay, number 10, if the disciples stole the body, this means that the writers of the New Testament would have had to invent a story about Jesus being raised from the dead. According to the Bible, the first people to find the tomb were what? Women. This is what we saw before, okay? If the writers of the story, okay, these guys stole it, and so they got to concoct this whole thing. You're making it up. If the writers were to make this story and they wanted other people to believe them, they would never have chosen women in the first place, okay, to say that they went there uh, to find the empty tomb. Again, we saw before women were not allowed to give evidence in Jewish courts of law during that time. In fact, a woman's testimony meant nothing, in the first century Jewish culture. So if you stole the body, if that's really what happened, and now you're going to make this whole concoction up, you certainly don't make that mistake. 
Everybody in that culture knew, don't, don't even, sorry, pick a guy. If you want people to believe it, right? Number 11, if the disciple says, hey, Jesus said he would raise from the dead. We better do something to save face. That's what my secular philosophy teacher said in secular college. This was his thing. They made this up just to save face. Oh, our leader died. It was bad, but we had such a good thing going, man. We were raking in the dough. This is what he would tell the whole class about Christianity, right? And so, the, all right, let's examine. The easiest way then to go about this would claim that Jesus was spiritually resurrected, right? That solved the whole thing. Nobody can catch you on that one, right? Who cares if they found a body, didn't find a body, body this, body that? Who cares? It's spiritual. If you know anything about the Mormons and you know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses, that's exactly what they do when they get caught in a lie. Same thing with Mormons, and Mormons used to say that uh, uh, black African people, uh, the reason why their skin color was that way is because of a curse. And then they started to need people on their basketball teams. Check it out, folks. This is true. And you know what? All of a sudden, the organization, for after years and years in teaching that baloney, <gasps> we've got new light. And it is now acceptable... <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses do the same thing with the Watchtower Society. Oh, we've got a new light. Oh, and by the way, what they do is then they go around and they destroy all the old copies. So you can't catch them in their lies. But guess what? People store those away and they eventually come out. Who eventually come out of those lies? Okay? It's a bunch of baloneys. Okay? So you would think if these guys are making this up, that's exactly what they do. Oh, it was spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. That's what he meant. You guys misunderstood. Okay, but they didn't do that. They insisted. And taught, no, this wasn't some spiritual thing, right? This was a physical resurrection. The resurrection of the actual physical body is your blank there, okay? They didn't take the easy way out. You'd think they would if they were making this whole thing up. Okay, one more to go. Uh, maybe, as Soupy Sales says right here, and all four of you who know who that guy is, uh, made the woman, maybe this is, this is what it was, I got it, I, I got it. Just like it's the spirit of Adam all over me. That woman you gave me, right? Maybe it was the woman. The woman, yeah, the woman. They, they went to the wrong tomb. Now, when it comes to directions, and you're driving in the car, who wants to help you out? Right? Who had GPS low-tech before GPS electronic came out? Men, don't move a muscle. You're doing good. <laughs> right? Ladies always want to give direction, right? Plus, ladies are detail-oriented. And ladies remember a lot. And there are certain things they don't forget. Right? It's like this guy. I love the differences. You know, like sometimes you've got to figure these out, right? We forget there's differences between men. How many of you guys realize that men and women are different tonight? Praise God, all seven of you. All right, let's move on. For instance, when a woman says to a man, I don't know, what do you want to do? What she really means is, I can't believe you don't have anything planned. <laughs> Man, careful with your laughter. Uh, when a wife asks her husband, how does this dress look on me? What she really means is, we haven't had a good fight in a while. <laughs> or, <laughs> or when a man tells his wife, I can't fight it. What he really means is, it didn't fall into my outstretched hands and I'm absolutely clueless. <laughs> right? Or when a man says to his wife, I missed you. He really means, I can't find my sock drawer, the kids are hungry, and we're out of toilet paper. But ladies, you are very detailed-oriented. I don't think you're going to forget a major event like this, okay? For instance, a woman knows all about her children. 
right? She knows about the dentist appointments, the romances, the best friends, the favorite foods, the secret fears, the hopes, the dreams, and a guy. He's vaguely aware there's some short people living in the house, right? We can skip over that stuff, okay? And apparently I said they're resourceful too because uh, one guy says that, hey, what would happen if there'd been three wise women instead of three wise men at the birth of Jesus? And apparently they would have asked for directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought practical gifts, right? What are you going to do with myrrh? Okay, but anyway, we'll move on. Uh, but guys, I'm here for you, right? Because we just got slammed, so pay attention. You ready to shine, guys? It's good to be a guy. Turn to a guy and say, it's good to be us. All right, ladies, you weren't supposed to do that. That was weird. Okay, listen to this, right? Uh, a guy. It's good to be a guy. For instance, phone conversations, they only last 30 seconds. We can go to the bathroom alone. We can leave that hotel room without making the bed, right? We can kill our own food. Cleaning the toilet is optional. Wedding plans take care of themselves. None of our coworkers have the power to make us cry. We don't have to shave below the neck. Uh, flowers and duct tape fix everything. And we don't care if somebody doesn't notice your new haircut. We can watch a game in silence for hours without uh, your buddy thinking, he must be mad at me. But the best thing is this, guys, one mood all the time. Don't move a muscle. But in all seriousness, we get there. The women went to the wrong tomb. Give me a break. There are certain things you don't forget. One guy said this. He's talking to his, a friend. He says, man, I just, hey, I can't take it anymore. And he says, man, what's wrong? He says, it's my wife. It's my wife. Every time we have an argument, she gets historical. He says, you mean hysterical. He says, no, I mean historical. And she's always going, do you remember this? you remember that? you remember? you remember? Yes, I am. Thank you, Joey. Let me know when the bus gets here. There are certain things that ladies don't forget. Ladies are different than guys. Ladies are much more detail-orientated, right? You remember a lot. You're multitaskers. Now go back in all seriousness to this. Excuse me. These ladies went to the wrong tomb with a major emotional, important event like this. You're not going to forget that. This is nuts, right? And this is what he says. Here's the problem. These women had carefully noted, as your blank there, carefully noted where the body of Jesus was buried less than 72 hours before. They're not going to forget. I mean, this is burned in their brain. Okay, the woman who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Number two, how did the grave clothes get in the wrong tomb? If it's the wrong tomb, then what are the clothes doing there? That's crazy. And number three, if the women went to the wrong tomb, then the Roman and Jewish authorities could have gone to the right tomb and produced the body case closed. Makes absolutely no sense. But the skeptic just keeps coming up with another one and another one and another one. And then, of course, they put it on the History Channel with people with funky hairdos. And, wow, it must be true. No, it's not. If you're being honest and logical with the facts, Jesus did rise from the dead. But we're just getting started. That was part one. Board one next week, we'll get to part two. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell?
Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandment says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven? on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus, so that we can now have a relationship with God, both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, 
the gavel's been passed. The judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly and please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.